welcome back to The Craft, where we explore the creative process. My name is Colby, and I'm a product manager, marketer, and music producer. And I'm Carter, a writer and PhD student at the University of Kentucky. And today, we are going to be talking about categories. So this is something that we've been personally talking about for a while now and wanted to kind of unpack on the craft because I think it's really pertinent to creative identities and all the different kind of intersecting conversations that we have there. So, Kobe, do you want to kind of give us the introduction into where these ideas were coming from, how we've been approaching them, and then we can kind of get into the complexities and nuances from there? Yeah, I'm excited because this is a marketing concept that I recently was reminded of whenever I picked up this book, 22 Immutable Laws of Marketing by Al Reese and Jack Trout. It's from the 1990s. And I also started reading a newsletter called Category Pirates, which talks a lot about this concept. And I think that they were at least in part inspired by these guys. And so this book has been highly recommended. I know on the Tim Ferriss show, he said it was a really powerful book on marketing. It's very short. And so it's just a great, simple read. And it's not like, here's how to do social media marketing. Like this is like the way more generic, not even generic, the more like high level concepts of marketing, such as, let me read you a couple quick chapter titles, and then I'll dive into what is category creation. So the law of leadership, the law of category, the law of the mind, the law of perception, the law of focus, the law of exclusivity, the law of the ladder. I won't read them all, but you know these are very high-level ideas about how your whole company, your brand, your mission, your products, all of these things work together, how you communicate, how they work together, and how people hook on and understand, oh, that's what this company does. Oh, Apple makes this. Oh, Microsoft does that. You know. So there's an interesting question. How does this stuff tie into the creative creative life, your craft, all that? So anyways, getting into category creation. The first chapter of this book is about the law of leadership. The basic idea, be the first in a category whenever you can. Let me say that again, actually. The basic idea, it's better to be first than it is to be better. That's the subtitle. And then the second chapter is the law of category. If you can't be first in a category, set up a new category you can be first in. So as a quick example of this, the first person to fly across the Atlantic solo was Charles Lindbergh. But no, most people don't know who the second person was, right? And there's a number of other examples you could give to say, you know, we know the first person who did this, first person to walk on the moon, first person to whatever, who's the second person? Then you can't really remember. So it kind of helps you just quickly establish, yeah, there's something valuable about being the first person to come to mind in any category. That makes sense. But then who's the third person? Actually, most people know this. It's Amelia Earhart. But that's not because she's the third person. It's because she's the first woman to go across the Atlantic solo. New category right? And so that's really the core idea of category here is if you can't be first in a category, set up a new one you can be first in. And of course, there's the very cheesy version of this, I think, which is uh, saying, we're the number one in this specific thing in (laughs) this small town for people who drive Fords. And it's like, okay, that means nothing. (laughs) So you, it has to be a category that your audience believes because it's true. You can't just throw words out and say, okay, we have a new category by throwing in, getting more and more and more specific or something like that. But that's the idea. Sure. 
All right, that's that's really helpful. So maybe the first thing to do before you know, I've got some critiques that I think are pertinent is to try to translate this a bit onto kind of the creative life. In that, let's say you are an emerging novelist who is writing within the, I don't know, let's say the romance genre. What we have here with category is an attempt, I think, to get around the problem of just being washed away in all the noise. And so specifically today, I mean, the written word is more accessible than ever. I mean, you go on Substack and it's like there's more writing out there than ever in the history of the world. So the danger here is to just be another kind of voice that's washed away in this big ocean of voices right now. I mean, this is what it's, I feel like the the attempt here is to, you've got to distinguish yourself or you're going to get obscured by the number of people that are doing the same thing that you're doing. I mean, that seems to be the primary exigence for this, right? I mean, it's all about saying, hey, in order to be successful, you need to somehow distinguish yourself. And so I think that that's the problem it's trying to solve do you think do you think that's is that a fair assessment of kind of the root problem? Yeah, I think it's how do you the way they talk in this book, Immutable Laws, is like how do you get into a customer's mind and be remembered, essentially. So I'd say how do you get it's like in our modern in today's language, it's like what's your hook? Yeah, that's good. Okay. So if that's the if the kind of exigence they're trying to solve, I think my main concern is how they go about trying to solve that. And so the idea that it's better to be first than better just kind of sits with me really wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Get, let's get into this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, let's go back to our, our novelist who's, who doesn't want to just get washed away in the romance genre. So then maybe she does a romance about vampires. Oh, but that the Twilight's already been done. So maybe we do a romance about vampires who are from another planet or vampires who are, you know, you continue to get more and more abstract, further from the topic to the point where this is why we get Abraham Lincoln vampire killer as a movie. (laughs) Because the movies about Abraham Lincoln have already been done. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a whole new category. We're going to make him into a, a vampire killer. Nobody's done that. And so for me, what bothers me is that the path forward, if I'm just, you know, if I'm taking categories, my guiding light, the path forward is novelty. I, I can't, I just can't get over how that is so central to making a new category. If, if I'm not the first novelist, I need to be new and I need to do something that hasn't been done. And so my primary metric of success is novelty. It's not quality. And whenever quality gets pulled back as a primary metric of success, I think the work is going to suffer. And so this is the same way where I would say if the prime reason that you're, you're, you're evaluating your work is how many eyeballs have seen it, and that's your metric of whether it's successful or not, that's not going to be a very good metric usually of the quality of a song, a work. I mean, there will be some correlation, but popularity has never been a real long-lasting earmark of creative success, or I, I don't think it should be. And so just like popularity, I think, can be a false guide, a false judge of success. I think novelty, too, we can gauge whether or not we're working well by whether or not we are breaking out of things. 
And then I do just think that we have a history of kind of especially modernism with its movements in Dadaism, other different sort of early 20th century avant-garde movements. They got more and more avant-garde and more absurd. And you've got, right, now art exhibitions with the Mona Lisa a mustache scrawled on her by Marcel Duchamp, right? We've got this tradition of we're going to take everything and we're going to step outside of it and we're going to do something completely new because that's what we need. And I think that tendency is more detrimental than helpful, but I don't think this solves our problem of how we stand out because it's still a problem. So to sum up all that, and you'll do it much better than I did, we have a problem that's a real problem. You don't just want to be another X, Y, or Z, right? You got to distinguish yourself. But I don't think finding a new category gets our priorities straight in order to solve the problem. So it's a solution to it. You are going to be different if you create your own category, but I don't think it's the best solution, if that makes sense. So maybe it's about there, maybe this is more of like a conversation right now about the presuppositions behind this. I think the presupposition behind their argument is looking at history, like in this first chapter, there's all these examples of companies that have survived and succeeded for a long time, right? So pharmaceutical companies or products like ibuprofen or, you know, they give these examples of like the companies that have succeeded and the way you know is because the product category is the brand name. So you have a Band-Aid, Fiberglass, Formica, I don't know what that is, Gore-Tex, Formica, sorry. Gore-Tex, Jell-O, Crazy, Crazy Glue, Q-Tips. Like some of these I did not know were brand names, you know? It's like, oh, I thought that's what it was. Saran Wrap, Velcro. It Velcro was called hook and loop fasteners. I mean, like, but we all know it as Velcro. So there's this underlying idea of like, if you're commercially successful, then you win. And how do you become commercially successful? You must be first in the prospect's mind. And how do you become first in the prospect's mind? You need a clear category that you can lead and you need to be the the leader in that category or set up a new one. So it's like kind of all goes back to general success metric that maybe we want to push back on it. Okay, well, for the artist, what is that goal? Because perhaps making a better bar of soap is not Procter & Gamble's Gamble's goal. It's to make a better return for their um, investors. But for the artist, it probably should be to make something better or to make something that impacts people more. Or, I mean, is that what you're trying to get at, I guess? Yeah, so this is, that's a really nice point that maybe the metric of return for a corporation are going to be, you know, the metric will be returns, what I mean by that. But I think even if we take a more, let's say they are trying to make the best in a field, you know, when we're looking for a new product, it's like you want to look for what hasn't been solved, Right? You want to look for the problems that need an answer. And so I think it's very different than when we move to the artist. You're not going to, like, when someone says painting, it's like, it's not going to be the Kleenex. Like, those are two different things. Like, like, Kleenex made a product, and now we know it by its name, Kleenex. But you just can't do that with painting. If I say painting, you're going to think of, right, maybe you'll think of Picasso, or you'll think of Rembrandt, or you'll think of Michelangelo, or you'll think of, you know, on and on and on. And so I... I think, you know, that means that the category, the genre here, I just don't think they're a one-to-one comparison. 
So instead of trying to make a new category, it seems like attempts to make a new category in art are just attempts to make smaller and smaller subgenres. And I just think that's maybe misleading. You you had something to say. I don't know. Did, did, did I spark an idea? Yeah, that's a really interesting idea that I wonder, it makes me wonder, Is this is not what I was thinking a minute ago, but it makes me wonder, is category design more than just getting more and more and more specific? You know, are there other tools or ways to make a category that are not just going to keep redacting you to be less and less, yeah, more and more specific in crazier and crazier ways? I don't know. Because, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, the classic, like, if you want to niche down, you know, you take, like, two different interests that are unique to you, and then you put those together, or you take... Sure. Unique juxtapositions, yeah. Yeah, that kind of thing. Like, there's ways where it's, like, it is becoming more and more unique, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's getting smaller. Yeah, those are different. I think those are different. So, here's the thing about category design that's interesting, I'll say, is they give all these examples in the book, and then also in Category Pirates World, where you have a non-existent category. So let's take the problem with the whole idea of category design when you're thinking through it is, at least in the marketing business world, is like you're trying to prove something that you cannot prove empirically because it's basically saying there could be a new category for X. How big is the TAM? That's what investors want to know. What's the total addressable market? Well, you can't know the TAM of something that doesn't exist yet. You can know the TAM now of, you know, the like probably the phone industry or the cellular or whatever the category is called, but that didn't exist at one point, you know? I mean, like the phone as a start, you know, like there's, I guess certain things have a TAM of like however many people there are in the world or something, but. Yeah, I get your point for sure. I forgot where I was going with my earlier thought. I lost it. No, maybe it'll come. Maybe it'll come back. But yeah, I mean that that makes sense. I think the thing that I'm seeing is that there's a way to distinguish yourself in this unique juxtaposition of different ideas and experiences. There's a way to do that and be within a category. That's what kind of I don't know. Maybe it's me taking a too strict understanding of category. But if you're writing, you're. But if you're writing a novel. It's going to be entirely unique because every writer is going to be unique. I mean, maybe really bad writing looks like other really bad writing, but let's let's say for a second that you're you're doing some interesting juxtapositions, you're bringing styles together. It's like that's going to be unique. It's still going to be within the genre of a novel, and it's probably still going to be within the subgenre of let's say a western novel. But that doesn't make all the pretty horses a bad novel because it's not the first love story that's set in the west. I would say it is the best love story that's set in the American West. And so in that way, I just I don't see the category as being inhibiting here in the creative world in the same way that it is in the product world. I mean, just like a photographer, it's like, okay, are you never going to take photography or are you, are you never going to take photographs of trains because it's been done? Or like, what are you going to go search for things that have never been photographed before? It's like, I guess you could do that, but... Does that mean you can never take a photograph of a tree because you'll just be like the other tree guys? I mean, it just seems silly to me. Okay, so can I can I push back? Is yeah, that, please like, I, do this it. Is, you know, in in good faith, like I think that every category, even a category that you design that's new, it does exist within categories still. Like there may be bigger categories that you still fit within. Like I don't I don't know if there is a dichotomy here between 
creating a category, being unique, finding your unique edge, and existing in other categories almost at the same time. But I don't know, like maybe it's not, I'm wondering, does that same problem happen in the product world to just flip it for a minute? So if I'm a product, let's say I'm making a video sharing app like YouTube, but I need to find a way to be different. But first of all, I mean, I'm going to exist within the category of software. I'm existing within the category of tech. I exist within the category of video, you know, but then it's like, so I'm not going to be able to create, I can't make a new format of video or something like, I don't know, maybe there's some 3D hologram kind of thing that is like a, or maybe that's actually like the, uh, the Apple vision. Like that's kind of a new category in some ways of like VR and all that. But let's take that actually as an example. So they give a good, they say a good example of category design is you have VR headsets already in the world. They've been out for a long time, right? And you have companies like Oculus, Facebook, or Meta. They've, they've got, they're used mainly for video games and sort of just like nice to have fun experience type things. Apple comes out and releases the Apple Vision Pro and their video and all their marketing content says they're making a new era. They're leading a new era of spatial computing. And they don't say we made a VR headset, right? They never use those words. They say spatial computing is the new thing. And the whole idea is that you can like use your laptop, but with your headset sure. to screen yeah. instead. So all this stuff, they say they they said that was a really good example of making a category, even though it's kind of basically just renaming VR. Is this, is it just renaming VR headsets? Maybe that's my question. Like, is it, or is there, you know, they still existed within technology and hardware sure, and that's a good blah, point. blah, blah, but they did create a new category and they made it because they didn't talk about video games and they didn't make it about that. They made it about home theater experiences and like work and like remote work, I guess. I really like that. And I think it's helping clarify some of my thinking because I think that's just differentiating your product within a category. Like they're not outside of software. They're not like they may claim that they're making a new category, but they're not. They're just differentiating their product that look, you don't have to just play video games. You can do other things here. So for me, it's like that's not category creation. That's just in a charitable read, you know, distinguishing their innovation in an uncharitable read, it's just kind of deceptive branding of calling it spatial software instead of a V you know. So it's like you can take either reading. To take the strong one and say, look, this is just, you know, distinguishing their innovation, I'm all for innovation. And I think this is something that maybe is missed in in my critique a little bit, is that I'm not saying that we shouldn't innovate. And I'm not saying that we should be pushing the bounds of technique. Because we see that. We see that happen. We see that within artistic movements, right? Someone breaking convention, breaking boundaries in genre. Like, that's a good thing. I think the fine point that I want to put on it is in doing so, that innovation has to recognize that it's taking place from a category already. And maybe it's changing the category of painting. Let's say when Picasso's, you know, and Brock start cubism, right? They're changing the category itself of painting, Right? They're not making a new category in some ways. I guess you could say cubism's a new category. But in some ways, they're changing what is considered part of the category of painting. And so that's an innovation from within rather than looking for something on the outside. You said blank space. It's like instead of going looking for blank space, it's working from within. 
the one historical example I'll give, and I'm still working through this, and this is fun because the, the cl- you know, it's a little bit cloudy. The Dada movement, which I'm about to have a Substack post on, which I'll encourage people to go go read. The Dada movement rejected a lot of traditional understandings of art to the point where you know um, Hugo Ball, the founder, was writing nonsense poems. So he thought words were too restrictive. So he was just making these nonsense poems that were just basically phonetic sounds, right? So they rejected tradition completely in order to make something new. And I basically show that this, I mean, if you just look at the aesthetics, I mean, this is where we get, I mean, just ugly stuff. While I contrast them with the pre-Raphaelites who are in the 19th century, a series, a group of painters and artists and designers who were also dissatisfied with tradition, but what they did is they sought to reform, They sought to correct. They sought to continue within a tradition in a way that was going to innovate. It was radical at the time. Some people really hated it. But if you look at their projects, one is a project where Tristan Tazara says, he's a Dadaist, we have to sweep it clean. We have to destroy everything and sweep it clean. Like They're trying to do something that's completely new versus the pre-Raphaelites who want to reform something and want to change something and innovate from within. So is that a posture? Is that something? Is that a category change? All these questions are swirling around. But to me, I think the guiding light shouldn't be novelty. Like if there's something to guide it and you see a problem and the category needs to change or a new category needs to emerge, it's got to be for a reason other than we just don't have this right now. Like you don't want to make something uselessly new, and the only thing that we can say good about it is it hasn't been done before. You know what I mean? I hear that. So that that reminds me what I was thinking earlier in the conversation. Super relevant to this because I think that in products and marketing of businesses, you have typical formula, which is the more painful the problem, the better a business could be. Right? You want to be selling a painkiller, not a vitamin. But then, which is a great quote from. Uh, Build by Tony Fidel. Great book. But then in in uh like what is art? In a way, by definition, art to it, one one simple example of it is you have your basic needs met. And so you have this space or money or this sort of privilege to be able to say, I'm gonna go to an art museum today. I'm gonna listen to some music and just enjoy it. And why? Because it adds beauty to my life. It adds maybe it helps relax me, maybe it gives me a sense of awe and takes me into sort of the sacred. It's a value in itself. It's a value in itself, but it's also not like just... Useful. (laughs) It's not just function. And I think a lot of products can be successful just on function. And, And then you see, I've heard recently, there's this framework that sort of like the beginning of a market, like let's say the internet in the 2000s or late, late 90s, you can have the crappiest looking website in today's standards and be crushing it, right? Because it's yeah. so new. But then you see, okay, then you have emails been around since like forever. So you have emails keep getting better and better, but the bar continues to go up the longer a category has existed, right? The bar for our smartphones is crazy high now versus 2008. Why? Because it's existed for so long. So it starts with function. How how well can I connect to actually make a call, text someone, get on the internet? And then now it's like function is expected and it's all about the the bezeled edges and mm. beveled edges and and the colors and then like the personalization and all these new f- fun features that are just more and more aesthetic over time. And so it's almost like 
this sort of like hierarchy of needs type thing where it's like you start with just the basic need and then as you get into the arts, maybe it's just art already sort of starts in a category of it's not about need, it's about want in a way. Sure. And what and it's a whole different like set of values yeah, in a way. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's dead on. And so here's my question. Let's keep pushing this. The phone in 2008 and the phone in 2023, are they both in the category of phone? Like, had, like they're so yeah, they, radically they different from each other. But it's like, can you point to an innovation in the phone and say, oh, look, they're making a new category? Because my ultimate question is, is it semantics? That's my ultimate question. Here's the example, right? We have a laptop. There's a famous, you can look up YouTube, go on YouTube and search for Steve Jobs iPad keynote. You'll find this. So basically, Steve Jobs gets on stage and he says, we have a, I, we have a smartphone. I'm going to butcher this, so just watch the original. But we have a smartphone and we have a notebook. And there's been a question people have been asking, is there space for some third category, some third design? I think he even used the word category in the middle of these three things. And or maybe it was actually a personal computer, sorry. The, he said the, thir- the middle category is not a notebook because they're slow, they're clunky, blah, blah, blah. He gives these th- problems that notebooks have at the time. And then basically the whole setup is that there's something that needs to be good at a few key things. It needs to be really good at surfing the internet, really good at responding to email, really good at reading like books or articles. And those are the core things that you would use this device for in this middle category. Not so big that you have it on a desk, but not so small it fits in your pocket. And he says, that's the iPad. And the whole category is born. You know, were there already tablets at the time? I would need to go back and look and do some more digging. I, I think there probably were. <laughs> it's my hunch. So part of it is definitely like really just a good app, Apple being good at branding and calling it the iPad. And so now people ca- talk about iPads more than tablets, probably in some ways. That maybe is the example. But yeah, I think that it's like once you have then the iPad category, it's like you don't necessarily have this new... It's like almost like maybe category creation doesn't mean almost like are we are we reading the same definition of category creation in a way? You know what I mean? Sure. Because like, it could mean creating literally a brand new thing, innovation that's never existed before, or it could just mean differentiating the way you fit into the existing mental models that people have in the world about stuff. You know yeah, I, mean? I think that that's a really good summation. I think maybe that's the tension here. And why I'm finding it so difficult because every time you say, well, is that a new category? It's almost like you find a bigger category it's already in. You know what I mean? It's like it's like digital devices. The iPad, like you just said, is a different category of thing, but it's still within a broader category. Or like the phone has been innovated, but it's still within the category phone. Or is the new phone with all it can do something entirely different? Right. So I, I think my frustration is that like anything I do, I can almost claim as a new category in some ways. Like if I play really loose and fast and I'm like, well, this book is unique because it's the first book written by a 25-year-old UK student whose, you know, mother's last name is this and who lives in a house on this street. Like you can just like, okay, this is a new novel because it's all these unique qualities that are just tiny getting so subcategory that like why even call it a category? 
Uh-oh. This, this looks like something. Chapter okay. 10. H- hit me the with The law this. of division. Okay. Over time, a category will divide and become two or more categories. I'm going to just keep going. Just read a little bit of this. Like an amoeba dividing in a Petri, di- Petri dish, the marketing arena can be viewed as an ever-expanding sea of categories. A category starts off as a single entity, computers, for example, but over time, the category breaks up into other segments, mainframes, mini computers, workstations, personal computers, laptops, notebooks, pen computers. I'm adding right now, smartphones, maybe? Like the computer, the automobile started off as a single category. Three brands, Chevrolet, Ford, and Plymouth dominated the market. Then the category divided. Today, we have luxury cars, moderately priced cars, and inexpensive cars. Full-size, intermediates, and compacts, sports cars, four-wheel drive vehicles, RVs, and minivans. So, I don't know. That's chapter 10. So, maybe that's like a... <laughs> the law of division is almost what you're talking about, really. Yeah, yeah I think so. But, but So, I'm just taking that and saying, well, what do I do as a creative? You know, I think it's an interesting question because, I mean, even if I think about different artistic movements, let's say within painting has different categories, like painting has now been subdivided into, you could go from, you know, uh, all the different genres and mediums that have come out, right? Oil paintings, watercolors, right? Impressionists. And so you can go just on and on and on. It's like, okay, if these are all the categories and I find myself in one of them, like, what do I do? Like, what does it mean to make another category? Like, do I have to step outside of painting or do I just make one step to the side of cubism and call it something else? You know what I mean? It's like, mm. I don't know what to do. Well, here's something else that's interesting observations. How old are cars? I think they're like around 100 years old, o- yeah, over 100 yeah, years old, take. right? How old is painting? <laughs> Quite old. <laughs> Pretty old. I, I have no clue. And so perhaps there's almost like a, if this whole law of division is really a thing, it, it definitely seems to happen just anecdotally. It's like music, painting. Writing's much younger. Yeah, writing, yeah, writing photography, photography yeah, yeah. music production, like the recorded arts. But it's like it fits within music, and music is super old. And it goes back to like probably like I don't even know how far that Time goes back. Time immemorial. So I guess it just is like maybe the, the older the category, the more divisions that have probably happened. And sure, then you that makes are sense. left with what you're talking about, which is like writing this zombie novel from outer space with mixing another, with like an interactive element on your phone. And that's what makes <laughs> sure. it, you know, so yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. know, like you do get into the super, super, super niche down thing eventually because there's just, it's kind of like domain names or something. It's like, there's nothing left that's unique anymore. Yeah. And so here's the thing that I think is just... I think this is a really helpful way to describe the division of categories, but I think it's much more useful to say to the artist, prioritize something else and worry about category later. Category, it's like prioritize the values that drive your work. Let's say you're writing and it's, it's you know, character development and complexity and syntax, right? Get all the things around you, themes and illusions, all the things that you think are, you know, valuable within work and let those drive you. And in some ways, let the category take care of itself. I mean, I think of some painters like, I mean, now we would consider Van Gogh a post-impressionist, 
but that didn't happen. He wasn't he wasn't calling that I know of calling himself a post impressionist while he was painting. Right? It's it's something now the historians have looked back on and given it a category. And so I think sometimes you may be creating a category unbeknownst to you that then is going to be distinguishable. And so I think that's a factor. I don't know. What do you think of that? Of like maybe there are better priorities. And again, there's caveats everywhere. But maybe there are going to be better priorities than worrying about category. And actually, trust that you're going to be distinct. You know, work hard, have good taste, develop good taste, and then let the category fall where it may. Because if you're dealing with something as old as the, you know, the novel's relatively, you know, it's only a couple hundred years old, so it's relatively new. But you're still dealing with crazy nuanced subcategories and genres. So maybe it's not worth your time to fret about what category you're in. Yeah. I mean, we kind of lose points on this episode for being like hyper. This is the very, one of the more abstract (laughs) episodes, right? Like it's very vague, general, but I think it's fun because it sets us up to talk about if these ideas come up in the future. And I think this is going to be hypertext. I think we're going to, I think this will intersect a lot of things. So I'm glad to just kind of, you know, get this stuff out there. It's on our minds. We've talked a lot about it. We need to, this is, this was a helpful conversation, but yeah, I hear what you're saying. I think it's like focus on create, revise, share, sustain, (laughs) focus on the core skills of your craft, whatever the five or six buckets are that you need to be really excellent at mastering and and understanding. And then taste is one of those, the, the meta things, taste, practice, getting reps in, building relationships with other artists. Like these high-level things probably come above. We'll do I have my hook. But it is, I think it is worth, I don't know. I think there's an interesting idea of maybe just throwing out the, not drinking the entire Kool-Aid of, or maybe that's the wrong metaphor, but yeah, not without drink, <laughs> without being a yeah. fully, fully bought into everything about category sure, sure, sure. for artists specifically. I do think there maybe is, maybe there's some ways that this falls short for creative craft, but... You do have to carve out a distinction. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's like the have a hook, like the idea from um, you know, from Saint. I think that was sure for him. It was like the kinesthetic photography or the light movement photography, the what do you call that technique? The time lapse, basically. I don't know if that's that's not the right word I'm looking for, but essentially those that was kind of his angle and it was like sports photography sure. and then he broke in and did all these other things. So I don't know, there's yeah, something to I, it, maybe. I think that that's really good. That's a good amendum, you know, to this of like, yeah, you gotta have an angle in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm thinking about even my own, you know, I do American modernism. What's my angle? Environmental philosophy, right? Okay, that that's a category. Like I'm trying to have an angle, and then I add the three writers, Jeffers, London, and Steinbeck. It's like, oh, now that's different. It's like, yeah, you don't want to do the same thing everyone else is doing. But it's like, am I making a new category in writing a dissertation on or is it or is that just uh, an artificial I, way to think about it? You know what I mean? Yeah, right. This is I don't know. Because fla- I'm, I'm curious, like, if we ask, like, category parts, would they say that you're making a new category? Like, did you just describe a new category, or did you just basically describe a niche? Like, was it the same thing? Because you pretty much just described the specific things. It's like, I do this bucket, but I also do the smaller bucket within that bucket, and then <laughs> yeah, I do exactly. these three smaller buckets inside yeah. that bucket. And then I grab a bucket from over here, and I bring them together. And it's like, if <laughs> yeah. that's, it's okay. new, and it needs to be new, and of course we don't want to make just replications of things that have been made. It's like, we want to make new things, and those are going to have very specific angles, but just because they're 
something that hasn't been done before? Does that make it a new category? And if so, it just becomes, for me, way too, like, everything's a new category. So one more thought. Once I have Q-tips, Kleenex, Dawn soap, whatever the category, you know, once I have those things, I'm generally, and I don't use Dawn soap, but once I have those, you know, I'm kind of good. I don't need another soap in my life. Maybe I want the holiday scent this season, right? This is so good. But I've already seen a hundred movies. Am I excited to go see another Christopher Nolan movie? Yes, very much so. Why? You know, there. I don't know who said this quote. I wrote down Steve Jobs, but I tried to Google it. Didn't come up. Someone said, there's always room for more great stuff. You know, I don't think that's always true in business. You already have FaceTime. Am I truly going to disrupt and get 500 million people to stop using FaceTime and use my app? I'm not sure. That's probably a much heavier task, but we already have a billion action adventure movies. Am I going to go watch another one? Probably because (laughs) it's novelty. Novelty is a part of art. It's like not just novelty only. It's like, oh, this was a really good one. And that actually is way more meaningful than, oh, why'd you buy that? you know, soap. Oh, cause it's really good soap. I mean, I would buy that, but then once I have my brand, I'm just kind of sticking with it, you know, but there's kind of a more infinite space for just art, I think. Yeah. That's so good. I wish that had come up earlier on the app that like, that's really good in that we're just talking about different things here. And even that new action movie yeah, it's not maybe making a whole different category, but it's going to have different things in it, right? Different shots, different actors, different... Like, so it's its own thing, but it, it's still within something. And I, th- I think this is good because I 100% agree. Like, we, you don't... It would be strange to try to go against FaceTime with something that pretty much did FaceTime, but better. Like, that's a strange, and I think there's just a different set of concerns that you're trying to find a new problem to solve in the business world. It's it's just maybe different. So, you know, it, it <laughs> seems us to different. The beginning. Yeah. I have a hard time getting the, you know, the, you know, the precise language of why it's different, but maybe mm-hmm. the best is what you just said of, you know, we're always going to want more beautiful painting. And I, and I want, you know, I want new novels and I want novels that try new things and I want novels that do new things. But I think my last note here is that I just don't think the novelty, the new category, ought to be the star in the East that guides you. I just, I just think you're going to get in trouble if you do that. Like, be guided by other things and don't make that the main pursuit because I think I think that's gonna just get, it's gonna come as it comes. I don't know. That that's kind of where I'm at. So it, it's not an issue with categories per se. Maybe it's an issue of giving find a new category as advice. I don't know. Maybe so, we're stretching, and you know we're the ones taking it into the creative world. So I'm like, ah, oh, maybe it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Belong here, you know. Get but out of here. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No, uh, no don't. Categories are here. Genres are pretty much categories, right? Subgenre. I mean, it's like it's yeah. just a different word. Yeah. Yeah. So genres and mediums and disciplines and and categories are porous too. I mean, the the like mm-hmm. bending genres that happens all the time. Like, is travels with Charlie by Steinbeck? Is it nonfiction or is it fiction? Well, he actually went on the road trip, but he makes up some stuff. 
It's like, what is that? Like, what does that do with the genre? It's like people really, I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. The genres are, are flexed. And so in some ways they're kind of artificial. So this is a good episode. If anyone has thoughts to write into the, to the podcast, heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. Send us an email, send us a voice note, send us something to let us know what you think about this whole category thing. Does it work for artists? Are you inventing the new category for your craft right now as you listen to this or yeah what do you think about this conversation but this is great man i think this is a good good place to wrap any other thoughts no this is great i think we've got a lot of issues on the table and i look forward to circling back hyperlinking to some of these in future conversations same all right that's a craft Hey, thanks for listening to The Craft with Carter and Colby, where we share what we're learning about the creative process. If you're a writer, music producer, marketer, filmmaker, photographer, or you just love creativity, then this show is for you. Our cover art was designed by Elizabeth Newell. You can learn more about her work at elizabethnewelldesign.com. That's Elizabeth, N-E-W-E-L-L, design.com. And you can follow her on Instagram at elizabethisadesigner. If you like the show, there's three things you can do to help us out. First, subscribe so you learn when we post new episodes. Second, send the link to one of your friends who you think would enjoy the show. Uh, Really, word of mouth is going to be the the number one way we grow the show in any way. And three, if you have a topic you want us to cover or feedback about how we can improve the show or comments on what we've said, you can respond to heycraftpodcast at gmail.com. H-E-Y-C-R-A-F-T podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.